0: Good evening everyone, I'm John And I'm Roddy And welcome to the Cost of Winning Podcast Uh, So for today's episode We're going to change things up a little bit And we're going to talk about Kobe Bryant And his unfortunate passing uh, on today He and his daughter died in a horrific helicopter incident this morning On their way to a basketball game Uh, My thoughts and prayers are with Kobe Bryant and his family, uh, especially his wife Vanessa and the rest of his children. In these times, it's easy to think of kind of the sadness of the incident, but I'm choosing to think of the positives that came from Kobe Bryant, a guy whose life and accomplishments at just 41 years of age could have spanned a lifetime of someone who was 80, 90, or 100 years old and could not achieve the same level of grace and excellence and determination that we saw from this man, not only on the court, but off the court as well, and within his communities of Philadelphia and the greater Philadelphia area and the greater Los Angeles area as well.
1: Yeah, you couldn't have said it better, John. My thoughts and prayers go out to his family as well. You just hate to hear about this kind of stuff, man. I feel like anyone that is a fan of basketball at this point, like, you know, regardless of what you thought of Kobe, regardless of if you thought he was a top 10 player or if you just hated him because, you know, he kept beating your team or something. Like, you have to admit that he was a legend for basketball overall, especially the NBA. And it's just one of those things where like, you know, for us, like we both grew up just loving uh, the Pistons and like one of our like earliest memories of like watching the game and like falling in love with it, or at least for me was, you know, just like the Pistons run in the early 2000s. And like Kobe was the guy that we needed to beat every time it was like, you know, like we, we kind of hated him just because we knew that we had to get through him in order to get what we wanted, which was that championship. And although we only managed to do it once, it was just, like, one of those things where, you know, you just got to respect that guy for, like, just getting better every year and not just, you know, letting you get your goal. Like, it, it made the Pistons a much better team to have that guy, to have them, you know, be, like, kind of, like, rivals that we needed to, like, get past every year just because, like, that, that fuels you and it fuels, like, you know, any, anyone that loves basketball to, like, try and get better. And it's one of those things where you – it's, like, one of the, the like, lessons that you get from basketball, I think, or, like, sports in general. Just, like, you know, regardless of what you think about this guy, if you, like, hate him or, you know, whatever, you have to, like, respect him for what he was. And, you know, the great competitor and the just fantastic basketball player that he was. And, you know, just just pay your dues at this point.
0: Yeah, I I think that's well put. I think the biggest thing about Kobe Bryant and just – Reminiscing on his life and accomplishments, the thing that I took away, even thinking about it today, is how he wanted other people to be better. And if he saw that you had the potential to be better, he definitely pushed you to try and reach that. And I think that's something that we tend to gloss over just because we're in the moment. But he definitely made players such as Paul Gasol better. He made Derek Fisher better. Mm -hmm. He made Trevor Ariza a better player. And I think that because his willingness to say, I see something in you that maybe you don't necessarily see in yourself, I think is one of the things that made him so grand of a player. And look, he's one of the Kings of LA. He's going to have a statue outside of the Staples Center if he doesn't already. He's going to have his, I believe he already has his numbers retired, both eight and 24. Inside the Staples Center, and yep. just even the fact, you know, when you're looking at eight and twenty-four, just the historicness of what those numbers represent, just to the basketball community, uh, to the LA family, to the LA fan base, even at that time, and it's just been kind of a hard last three months for the NBA, just because of the passing of David Stern as well, and the passing of Kobe, you know, Kobe Bean Bryant today. Mm-hmm it's it's a lot and you look at his life and career there's just so many accolades you know the 81 point game back in 2006 you know he's a five time nba mm-hmm. champion two time finals mvp league mvp you know four time all star game mvp uh 11 yep. nba first team you know i think the one thing that's overrated uh, not over, excuse me, over, you know, glossed over in terms of Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. is the fact that his defense was stellar. And I think that that's a lost art, you know, we've talked about in the past, but even just in his career that people tend to overlook is he was a very, very good defender and he was a great yeah. scorer. And that's a hard combination to find in any player in the NBA.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I think just like in general, when you think of Kobe, or a lot of people do this, they just say like, oh, you know, he was just a scorer. He never passed the ball. He never did anything else. He was just very good at scoring. He hogged the ball, all this stuff. But like, you definitely forget about the defense. Like, just like you said, he was all defense first team nine times, and second team three times. Like, he was a fantastic scorer. I think he averaged like two steals a game, too. So that's just one thing that everyone overlooks, because they just want to look at, you know, offense and what he was able to do on that side of the court. But you're right. He, he made his players better and he, um, you know, he, like he was a complete player. Maybe he didn't have the passing down, but, but he did what he thought that he needed to in order to win. And he didn't just, you know, take off half the game when he was on defense or something like that, you know?
0: No. And and that's a very true statement. And I think one thing that we forget sometimes too, is how, well, he brought back that rivalry between Boston and L.A., especially during mm-hmm. that period of time in the uh, in the late 2000s where he made it relevant again. I mean, you were excited to see those final championship games between him and Boston, you know, between him and Paul Pierce, you know, just going back and forth and making sure that he made, you know, the Lakers brand and himself just a little bit better and doubting, you know, shutting down those doubters that said he needed – a Shaq to win a championship. Or, you know, that team that he first won his three-peat with was so loaded, like, did they really need him? Like, he showed, like, no, I can get it done. And I think that's a testament to him. And I think the biggest thing about Kobe Bryant, and I want to end on this note, talking about him, is he showed people that there's other things that you can do in post-retirement. You know, he was an Academy Award winner, which is unheard of for someone who's an ex-athlete. You know, he had business ventures. He had a lot of things going on. He didn't necessarily need to be in front of the camera to still be a known person. And I think that's the one thing I, I think I appreciate the most is everyone knows who Kobe is. And I think he said there's other ways to do retirement other than just being completely involved inside the game of basketball And I think that's one thing that I'll definitely take away from Kobe Bryant and the legacy that he leaves.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. Well said, man. And again, this is a very sad afternoon for all of us. And my thoughts and prayers go out to his family.
0: Same here. So on today's pod, uh, we're going to cover the Lakers, Kobe's beloved Lakers, the Clippers. We're going to go over a couple of trades that happened and uh, finish up with the injuries that are taking place in the NBA right now.
1: Yep, so um, get us started, John, with the Lakers. So this Lakers team, it's
0: really a very interesting team. They're definitely, to a certain degree, defying expectations. I'm kind of just really at awe with the cohesiveness of the team, even though, unfortunately, they just lost to Philadelphia yesterday in a hard-fought game. Uh, I'm really proud of Dwight Howard. I think that's one of the guys that looking at this team, there were a lot of questions going into the season on how he would fit with them. You know, was he going to take the lesser role and deal with it? And I think that he's done a phenomenal job so far of just being able to transition into the Lakers culture and organization the second time around pretty seamlessly.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad we started there because I think it was one of our first episodes where I uh, actually mentioned that DeAndre Jordan was on my hate list and I would much rather have Dwight Howard on my team this year. And I think this is why. Like, we knew that they needed a center. And I just personally don't really have too much faith in JaVale McGee. I think that he's he's got a couple tricks and, you know, he's good at for, you know, like 15 minutes a game or something like that. But they needed someone that was – that could, like, get 10-plus points and just be, like, a, a defensive, like, weapon that they could have. And I think picking up Dwight Howard was a very smart move that they did, especially since, you know, because of his past, like, a lot of teams didn't want to pick him up. And he had, like, he, he had so many options or uh, opportunities to to do something and, like, get to the, like, role that we all thought that he could get to. Um, after leaving Orlando yet he always like fell short because of what appeared to be just, you know, like personnel issues more than anything. And I feel like having LeBron there and, you know, just like the organiza- organization around him and also not necessarily having as much pressure as he did in all of those other places because of AD on the team as well, I think really helped him out to like tap into his potential, I guess.
0: No, I th- I think that's well, a, yeah. I think that's a very good assessment. I think also the weight loss has helped him tremendously. I know he had some situations going on in Washington right? he had, the, uh, I think, the lower back problem. And so that was part of, I think, some of the situation that he had going on with just the frustration of maybe not being able to play or being in a situation that he wanted to be in. And I think, yeah, I think he's accepted the role. I think he's done much better. You're right about the Javel McGee portion. I don't think that you're going to get a full game out of Dwight, but I think you're getting a, you're getting a solid you know, 20, 25 minutes a game out of him, and he's producing at a well- a very well level, right. you know, at that point. And, I, you know, I like Danny Green kind of transitioning to what he's been able to do, you know, fitting in those role player-esque situations with the Lakers. And and the other guy that I want to bring mm-hmm. up that I think he's doing really well in terms of complementary play is Alex Caruso as well, you know, just giving them that spark off, off, the, bench. off the bench to kind of help them out right now. You know, keep moving forward. There is, you know, a little bit of a rumor, and I kind of want to jump the gun a little bit with the Lakers possibly trading the upgrade at point guard. I know that Rondo's been there Mm -hmm. for the last two years. One option that I've read from multiple sources is Derrick Rose. And so I wanted to get your opinion. Do you think that that would be an upgrade for the Lakers to make that happen? Maybe give Detroit a second round pick in terms of being able to get that player to kind of solidify them a little bit more. Because there is another player that we're going to talk yeah. about in a little bit that's also on the trading block for the Lakers.
1: Honestly, to me, I can see that trade. I just think that it wouldn't be what I would do uh, because we already know the type of player that like LeBron does really well with. And if you look at the rest of this roster, it's all just like role players, specifically like 3 and D guys, and then like a heavy center, basically. So I don't think that, like, you you just mentioned Danny Green. The reason why he's doing so well on this team is because that's what he excels at. He's a 3 and D guy. Caruso isn't necessarily a three-point scorer type of guy, but he is, like, you know, just, like, kind of an uh, energy guy, or I guess you could say. And and even in um, Cleveland, there were players like that on the team, like, specifically for, for like, I don't know, just just like that style of play, and I feel like that's that's what LeBron needs. He doesn't necessarily need a traditional point guard, which is kind of what Derrick Rose is. Like, you know, he's the type of player that like will be ball dominant and will like score often, but he will also make the the team better. I just feel like you know if you're if you're getting that guy to have like a backup to LeBron, that's one thing. But I feel like they have to end the game with five guys, and one of those is going to be a point guard because I really just don't see LeBron, especially in a playoff situation, guarding the other guys, the other team's point guard. So they need someone that can like step up into that role, and that's why I feel like Derrick Rose, although they might end up getting him, is not going to be the piece that they need to actually win the championship.
0: That's a that's an interesting kind of take on that, and it gives me quite a little bit. Um quite a lot to think about. I think the the biggest thing is I think that they should go with the trade. I think that it would solidify them more at point guard, especially because you don't have to necessarily worry about a guy that's going to turn over the ball. I love Rondo, but Rondo's never been a shooter. But he's been a great distributor, and he plays good defense. But I do think that, especially because of what Derek Rhodes is coming off of, especially because he's older and some people still have – That idea, that lingering injury, I think that if you can get him for a lower price with the Los Angeles Lakers, you go ahead and do that. The question is, it all depends on what you have to give up in exchange for Derrick Rose, which kind of leads us Mm -hmm. into the Kyle Kuzma talk, which is he was on the table for the Derrick Rose trade. And I know that it's been a point of contention this season within the Los Angeles Lakers staff of what are they going to do with Kyle Kuzma? And is that someone that they're trying to ship before the trade deadline, which I believe is next in two weeks?
1: Yeah, I think it's early February. But you bring up a good point that Kyle Kuzma just doesn't really fit in with this team. Because, again, he's like I was saying earlier, he's not really a role player type of guy. You get Kyle Kuzma because you need someone to like create offense not someone to like sit around and like wait for lebron to give him the ball to just shoot a you know shoot from wherever he's at whether that's the three-point line or or just the jump shot so that's why i think kuzma is the guy that they should be looking to trade and that's also what the rumors are and getting derrick rose for this guy is going to be an upgrade but i just don't know if it's like necessarily the right move for them i don't think it's going to get them any closer to winning the championship because their roster is still missing you know some pieces no and i
0: i think that that's a fair assessment i do think they, they're about one or two pieces away from making that leap the question would just be like who could they get at a good price and i think that's the hard part for the clip for, sorry for the lakers right now is you're trying to weigh output versus you know your salary cap and that's When you have two superstars eating the majority of your cap, you almost have to do a a vintage LeBron James move a la Miami where you're looking for veterans who just, they got a little left in the tank that could just get you over that hump that are willing to take, you know, a lower cut. And I think if they could find a couple Mm -hmm. of those guys that are there, I think that they got a good, you know, solid shot or find someone that's willing to rework their deal in the long term to make that happen,
1: yeah. and to and to tie this into to fantasy, the reason why we're talking about all of this is because looking at their roster, um, or and and just like not necessarily right now, but as they get closer to you know their finalized roster for the the playoffs, you're not really going to see players that you can pick up and just slide into your team and just have you know for the whole season as like staples of your team other than ad and lebron the the other guys that are going to be on this team are going to be specifically role players and they're going to be good at like a couple different stats so you know if if those stats like end up working with you or working for like you know whatever your strengths are then you should pick them up but if you're just looking for like, Oh, I need to watch out for the Lakers. Cause I know that they're going to make some trades here and I'm just going to pick up whoever they trade Kuzma for or whatever. In my opinion, that's not really going to work out for your team. You want that guy to be like your end of the roster guy. That's just there to, you know, bring your last categories up another level so that you can beat your opponent, not to provide the base for just like all of your stats that you want to build on.
0: No, I think, I think that's a, a very good point. And, you know, you mentioned strengths and weaknesses, and I want to transition over to the Clippers because there's a lot of questions in terms of their roster and their star marquee players in terms of what you do in terms of fantasy and what's going on with that organization that's going to affect you in the long run. They're winning games, yes. The question is, in terms of Paul George and the injuries that he's had this season. And the injuries and load management with Kawhi Leonard, what do you do in that situation? Because there have been multiple reports that that's causing contention within the Clippers, this load management that Kawhi and Paul George are doing. I have my thoughts, but I want to get your opinion kind of on what to do with those guys in terms of fantasy.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, with Paul George right now specifically, um, he's also injured, so he's been out for a couple weeks, and obviously at the beginning of the season he was also injured, so it's not just a load management thing with him. I think he does have some like lingering issues that keep popping up. So I definitely think with both players, they're not going to play back-to-backs uh, pretty much ever this season, and they might even just sit random games, even when they are completely healthy. And that's definitely for like weekly lineup blocks uh, type of leagues. You definitely want to take that into consideration. And I would say that especially going into the playoffs is very difficult, especially in that type of type of like roster setup or sorry, league setup. It's very difficult to actually roster either of these players, knowing that like, okay, you have you're on your like final game. You're about to beat your opponent. All you got to do is just get three or four games out of Paul George. Well, he's not going to give you three or four games. He's probably going to give you two. You know what I mean? Especially since yeah. by the time our playoffs happen, it's like the end of the seasons for actual basketball. So there's going to be less incentives for him to do back to backs and just you know like play thirty minutes or or whatever. So I feel like it's just very difficult to trust these guys in, in those situations. So I would be looking to trade them. I would try to get something that's also a star player because both of these guys are like first or second round picks. You know, like you can't really give them up for anything less than that. But I think it's going to be difficult for you for you to get that knowing that come playoffs, you're not going to get the same stats out of these guys.
0: And I think that's a very true statement. I think you've put it very well is if it was me and I had Kawhi Leonard or I had Paul George on my team, I'm looking to sell right now. Sell high, sell what you can get off of these guys because you don't want to keep going through the idea of They're scheduled for four games this week. You know, when you look at the schedule coming up for the week that you're setting your lineup for, and you're like, look, there's no way this guy's going to play. Especially with Kawhi, it almost goes off of, and I'm not belittling his injuries or the situation that they have. It almost kind of feels like, hey, Kawhi, you feeling it today? Nah, man, it's raining outside. I'm not feeling it. Well, low management, he's not playing today. Like, it's killing your team for him to decide which games he's going to play or not. Now I understand you're saving him for the playoffs and all you got to do is just back into the playoffs. Now, hopefully you've got Toronto Kawhi, you know, the guy that that could possibly take you to the promised land, but it's frustrating not only for the casual and the average fan, but it's gotta be frustrating for anybody who's playing fantasy because you don't know what you're getting out of him. So if it's me, mm-hmm. I'm trading him right now with Paul George's injury history I'm trading him right now because if they lock up a top three or four seed, especially the closer we get to the playoffs, they're just going to start sitting everybody anyway. So at that point, it's not going to help you. Trade them for what you can get. If you can get a star caliber player, as Radu said, take it and run and, and see what yeah. you can get. But the one thing that I think that's interesting about the Clippers, outside of you know the two superstars, is... They've got some bench players that are really doing really well this year. In terms of Lou Williams, who's usually, you know, a great player, yeah. and Martres Herald, and that's something that you're not seeing in a lot of these, you know, top-tier teams is two guys, you know, Herald, he's had a couple 30-point games off the bench this year, and Lou will can get hot whenever he can.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's kind of uh misleading though because both of these guys are really like they're starters. They just happen to come off the bench. Like, they end every game with them. So, it's, it's like, it's a weird stat to look at, um, you know, when you see that they, they're getting, like, 60 points off the bench or whatever because they're not really bench players, in my opinion. Um, what I will say, though, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, especially towards the end of the season as we expect them to rest more, I would say these two guys are probably going to, like, have the greatest uptick especially if you look at games where Paul George or Kawhi Leonard haven't played, both of these guys are averaging like over 30, 35 uh, minutes per game. And that's just going to like increase all of their their stats overall. So I would would almost say like try to get these players if you're just looking for, if you're trying to like solidify your roster at the end of the year, because their stats are actually going to be higher than what their averages are right now. Like, I, I would say that they're buy-low candidates almost. However, I feel like there aren't really many players on this roster that that I would, like, look at picking up. Like, you know, knowing that Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard are both, like, small forward-ish players, you would think that the backup small forward or something would end up getting a lot of those minutes or, like, producing, you know— eighty percent of what they can do. And that just hasn't really been the case. I feel like the closest player to that is Shamet, but he's he's still pretty up and down. I mean, I, I think he's like sure. worth you know just to look at in the event that Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is out for a more extended period of time. You know, he could he could maybe be a end of the roster guy. But in my opinion there's a, like those points just go nowhere, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So um I mean would you you're pick not up- really looking to get a handcuff. I mean, would you
0: team, would you pick up Pat Beverly if you just needed some depth at point guard?
1: Um, I would only if I needed very specific categories. So I think that he's pretty decent at threes, rebounds, assists, and steals. And I want to say field goal percentage, but he's not really going to shoot the ball. So like it does, it doesn't matter that he's good at field goal percentage. You know what I mean? Or right. like low in turnovers because he's just not going to get you the points. He's not re- he's he's not a free throw shooter. And even like the assists they're not that great for a point guard. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for a utility player, he might be all right, but I think there's better guys out there.
0: No, I think, I think that's fair. Um, You know, I love Pat Bev's tenacity. I love the fact that it gets under Russell Westbrook's Mm skin. Uh, And I, I think that, yeah, if you need some depth, you know, a point guard position or a guard position or utility, I think you could do much worse off than Pat Beverly. So definitely, he's available in your league and you need those stats, I would definitely go out and see if you could get him, you know, right now, especially if he's out there just kind of roaming around right now. But I want to transition mm-hmm. to, you know, just a couple trades that happened in the league over the last week, uh, just the impact that it might have on one's fantasy team or, you know, going forward, mm-hmm. what they could expect. And the first one that kind of came to my mind was uh, Jeff Teague.
1: Yeah. So with him, um, he got traded from the Timberwolves to Atlanta, uh, back to Atlanta actually. The thing about this trade is they didn't really get anything in return and well for this year at least. And I feel like it doesn't really change anyone's situation too much. I, with the exception of maybe Shabazz Napier. I would say that Teague is still like sorta of fantasy relevant, but now he's a backup to Trey Young, so he's not you know, the they're minutes. they're probably they're probably not gonna play together too much. I think he's still going to get you some off-the-bench like scoring. It, it definitely makes sense for Atlanta to do this trade, I think. But I just feel like from a fantasy perspective, there's not too much going on there. And from the Timberwolves' side of it, again, Shabazz Napier is their starting point guard now, so he's going to get the minutes. But he's not necessarily a shooter. So you can get some you know, like assists, steals, uh, those type of categories from him. But I wouldn't expect him to even you know, get to the same level that,
0: like, T was on. Um, In terms of T, I I think it's kind of a a low trade. I get, in terms of depth, what you're talking about. Uh, Napier, you know what? I'm a little bit higher on Napier than you are. I've seen a lot of good out of him when he gets the minutes. I think it's just a consistency. But, you know, give credit where credit's due, because last night I believe he dropped a triple-double. So, you know, he's got the talent. It's there. And Culver... Um, I think if you're one of the people that have stashed him and, you know, going back to one of the earlier episodes that we had where I said if I would stash him, it's going to pay dividends for you now, especially because now he's going to get the touches that he wasn't necessarily getting before. So I think if you've owned someone on Minnesota, this is a win for you. If you own Jeff mm-hmm. Teague, then I think that you either use him as depth with the chance of Trey Young being injured which has been kind of an up-and-down situation the last few weeks. I own Trey, and some days it's irritating because it's something small, and some days you're like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of an odd injury. So it might, you know, if you could do some p- plug-and-plays throughout your week, then you're good, but if it's a lock, I would get rid of him. For sure. Yeah, and then we got the Ariza and Kent Bazemore trade that happened. Um, I don't feel like... I feel like Portland won, but I don't see how the Kings really won in that opinion.
1: Yeah, I've, I've always been very low on Kim Baysmore. I think Ariza is actually a guy that I'm watching right now, primarily because Portland does need defense. I think they're Badly. the worst defensive team in the league, and they are trying to make the playoffs, so they need a guy like, like Ariza to come in and try to get him some defense. And so I think that he's he's gonna easily get you know 30 minutes a game even though he is a little bit older. I wouldn't necessarily expect too many points from him is the only downside. But I think throughout his career he's been a very good three point shooter and steal getter. I guess so. I would I would watch out for those categories and you know just give him a couple weeks to like get used to the roster and I would um, pick him up if that's what you need on your team.
0: But to be fair to Portland, there's a lot of injuries going on on that team. And so I think, mm. you know, as people get uh, healthier, you'll start to see a little bit more of a of an upshift in everything that they got going on. But you're right, Ariza is one guy that I am paying attention to, especially in that Portland lineup. And then the other one that just kind of came out of the blue a little bit was Willie Colley-Stein moving to the Mavs.
1: Yep, and that was I... – Feel like just a uh, an answer to Dwight Powell going down. He had a season-ending, I want to say Achilles injury, um, so that's unfortunate for the guy. But the Mavs needed another center, so they got uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. And I actually think that for anyone that has him already on their roster, because I feel like he's rostered in over 50% of leagues here, I would say that he's probably going to actually do better on the Mavs than he has been on the uh, Warriors, just because now he's on a team that's like actually trying. They actually have a reason to play, and they have this fantastic player in Luka Doncic that's going to figure out how to get uh, Willie Colleystown involved, and I just don't know if You know, Golden State had that in mind at all. Like they just wanted to see if any of these players were going to do anything. They weren't necessarily going to try and, you know, figure out if this big man can figure out ways to get this big man to produce. If that makes sense.
0: No, I think that you're right. It is a it is a answer to uh, Dwight Powell going down. And I do think that this is a better situation for Willie than it is Golden State. Again, uh, we've had our disagreements in terms of Golden State. I think it's more coaching, but we'll, we'll get to that on a different podcast. But I do think that it's going to allow him to improve his game. And who knows, being in a offense that Dallas has, it might actually improve his shooting compared to what other organizations like the Kings and the Warriors were trying to get him to do. At that time, also I think frees up some cap room for them in case they want to make a, a couple of trades or anything else by that deadline going forward. And then I, I know Andre Drummond's still on the on the trade block, so we got to kind of see what's going on with him and uh, mm-hmm. a couple other people as well, like D'Angelo Russell. We'll see as we get closer to the trade deadline if they actually get moved or not, or if they're going to stay in place right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so, I agree with that. Yeah, so uh what we want to kind of finish up on is just some of the injuries that are going on in the league right now. It's a next man up type of league. So don't necessarily, you're always looking for the person who's backing up. You're a guy that you're, that you're playing, but also the question's going to be as well, like how long is this injury going to be, you know, sideline them for and what's their projection in the foreseeable future. So uh, we talked mm-hmm. about the white you know, especially that being a guy who just went down uh, Willie Colley-Stein, if he's available in your league, definitely get him. Or Maxi Keebler, mm-hmm. or Kleber is definitely a uh, I yeah, pick Cleb, well.
1: Clever, I think, Maxi, Kleber.
0: Kleber, Kleber would be a guy I keep my eye on as well. Andy yeah, especially
1: that, if you need blocks, that guy is solid. He's gotten like six blocks in a game before, so that, that'll win you, that category.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're just playing like a scrub team, it definitely helps. The one that kind of interests me is Joel Embiid a little bit. They keep saying he's supposed to be back. I don't know if it's, is it this week or I do or is it next week they're looking at?
1: I want to say that he's not playing, you know, this afternoon, but he is questionable for his next game. Um, so the first one of, I guess this would be the last week of January, because I feel like this pod is going to come out a couple days later. Um, but in any case, I think he's close to coming back. I think really the, the main thing here is whenever Joel Embiid doesn't play, the main beneficiary is going to be Horford. Um, Absolutely, and we've seen that in in you know a number of games so far, especially in this last stretch. I don't necessarily think that you should like go out and trade for Horford, like expecting these stats. I think Horford is a is a decent player just like on his own. So if you want, you know what he averages with Joel Embiid um, in the roster or on the roster, I would go and get him in that point. But I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, he's going to get you twenty points a game. Because he has been while uh, Joel Embiid has been out, especially since I don't think that this injury is like I, like he just had like a broken finger or something. Like it's not something that is gonna like linger for too long. And I don't think that it's there's no reason for me to believe that what's happening now is going to happen at the end of the season when you need Joel Embiid. I guess
0: so. For me, it's kind of a catch toy too. If you want to sell Horford kind of high, now would be the time to sell him. But also, sure. my take on it is just kind of looking at the way Embiid plays, I think that there's another injury in his future soon to come. And so because of that, I would kind of stash Horford if you wanted to for a short period of time and then kind of see what you get out of it in the long term. Because I think Joel's going to do something that puts him back down. And I think having that backup is definitely going to help you, especially because it seems like they're a little bit more rhythm when they have Horford out there, especially because he spreads mm-hmm. the floor, than, than Joel just being in the paint type of situation
1: that's fair. i mean anything can happen really
0: anything and then so we want to kind of touch on this guy we've we've had numerous conversations about him i'm still on the low side on him even though a lot of people are jumping out of their seats for him and that's uh zion williamson so his first two games have been very well they went good especially with the shooting he yep. had an unbelievable night shooting his very first game but i'm still not kind of sold on uh uh, everything, it you know, everything kind of looks like Lynn sanity when it first happens, and then things start to calm back down. So we'll see where he goes kind of as the season progresses. But the biggest person that you have to question is Brandon Ingram and what to do with Brandon Ingram because now Zion is back. Um, my recommendation is if you could sell Ingram, sell Ingram um, because it's going to take a while for them to figure out how to use him now that you have a Zion centric offense, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing to stash him if you think that Zion's going to get injured sooner rather than later.
1: Uh, that's true. Um, on the the injury front, I, I also think that it's going to take a while for Zion to get more than you know twenty twenty five minutes per game. I wouldn't expect that to happen until after the All Star break at the very earliest. I would probably say like early to mid March. So that's like, you know, towards the end of our season. So although he's been doing very well, I don't know if you necessarily need to think like, Oh, you know, Brandon Ingram is going to get no chances now um, because they just want to feed Zion the whole game because there's going to be a lot of, you know, just down or uh, down uh, downtime. So I don't think like, I think if you can get a good deal for, for Ingram, definitely do that. There's no reason not to. Um, because his stats are going to go down. I just don't think that you're in like full-on panic mode just yet. Um, I guess is what I'm saying. And there, just like you said, there is always the chance that Zion is going to get injured again, just because of his, um, you know, play style, um, as well as just his body style. I guess.
0: No, I mean, I, I think that's what it is, and especially because you know we we've, we've talked about this in the first pod about how he's got to get his nutrition right and everything. And again, the Pelicans first said, oh, it was a small injury. He should be back in a few weeks. And then those few weeks turned into a few months. So it's just monitoring that situation and seeing where we go or where he goes kind of moving on even forward. Another guy that we're kind of watching as well, kind of monitoring the situation is Jamal Murray. I told our listeners, especially earlier in the year, buy high on Michael Porter Jr. I think that's definitely the guy that I Mm -hmm. said I thought he was going to benefit the most from this team this year. Um, especially with Paul Millsap out. I think that we're starting to see why so many analysts had him as a first overall pick, and luckily he slid down in the draft and landed up in Denver. But I think that's the guy right now. If he's mm-hmm. available in your leagues, you need to go out and get him. And if you don't, what are you waiting for?
1: Yeah, for sure. And also uh, Mason Plumley on, on the uh, Denver roster also went down recently. So I think they're just kind of depleted at this point. So, you should definitely see an uptick in probably minutes and just stats in general from all of the, you know, like star players on that team, which includes um, the two guys that we talked about as well as Will Barton, actually. Will Barton um, and in, uh... I would say Gary Harris, uh, to some degree, I think is going to benefit from Jamal Murray, Murray being out. We didn't see that too much yet just because. Gary Harris was also injured, so they're they're dealing with a lot of stuff there in Denver right now.
0: Yeah, they are, and I would also tell people to keep your eye out for Monty Morris. Uh, that's a guy as well mm-hmm. that I would think that he might get an uptick in minutes uh, as they move forward as well. Uh, one guy I did see that definitely. Uh, I think I told everybody kind of watch out for. Her. We kind of talked about this on the pod earlier. How of a mess the Chicago uh, the Chicago Bulls are is Laurie Markkinen. He's out four to six weeks right now. And then you look at Wendell Carter Jr., he's injured as well right now. So unless you got someone like Zach Levine, it's kind of a crapshoot. I wouldn't even recommend right now going after, uh, unless you need steals, Chris Dunn.
1: Yeah, and don't forget Otto Porter Jr. is also injured on that team. I think that he's he doesn't have a firm timetable to return, but I think he's he's nearing his uh, the end of his recovery period because um, he's no longer in a walking boot. So I would watch out for that. Maybe uh, just you know keep an eye on it, and if there's any news, I would try to pick him up because while he was playing, he was actually doing very well. I think in the meantime, like you said, Zach Levine. I mean, just like any other Bulls game this season, everything's going to flow through him, and he's going to be able to get you you know forty points some nights. But another guy, Thad Young, I feel like just because their roster is so depleted, um, he's going to get you minutes which in turn is going to get you all of those other stats. And then Sadoransky to some degree as well.
0: Yeah. And uh, the the biggest guy kind of I'd see on this list that it's a question of should you sell right now, and I'm kind of on the fence, I have him in my league, is uh, Marvin Bagley. It's just an injury written season for the guy. You feel bad for him because he has so Mm -hmm. much potential, but it seems like he takes one step forward and two steps back just in terms of injury. Like he came back last week, and then it just seems like The injury bug is just continuously just getting on him. So if you have someone that's interested in your league right now that wants to, you know, take him on or you could package him, I definitely would do it right now.
1: Yep, especially with the other guy that's injured on their team, Rashawn Holmes, there is definitely potential for a lot of these, you know, just like bench guys on this team to have an uptick in minutes. Bielitsa is one guy in particular. I think he's, you know, over the past, like, month or so he's shown that he's actually a very good like role player in general regardless of who else is on the the team so i think he's going to continue to stay in that role even when some of these guys return another guy is bogdan bogdanovich i would look at picking him up and then to some degree dedman just while um holmes is out he's going to be their starting center so he's going to get some stats
0: yeah so it, it you know i guess that uh the trade request kind of worked out his favor because now he's going to get the minutes that he really wanted the whole time. And then the, just give an update on these two uh, former all-stars, Victor Oladipo should be back uh, within either next week or in the next two weeks. So keep your eye out for that. So if you've stashed Victor Oladipo, definitely this is the time to start playing them. If you have Jeremy Lamb, this is definitely the time to try and sell them. If you have Malcolm Brogdon, uh, we'll kind of wait to see what happens with his situation kind of going forward as Victor comes back this year. And Steph Curry uh, looks like there's a bit of a uh, delay. I know they talked about him coming back possibly before all-star break, but it looks like now he's uh slated to come back the first of March. He'll probably be on minutes restrictions just because they want to get him back into the flow of everything back in the game flow. So we'll see as it comes on or as he comes back this year.
1: Yeah, I think, um, Nurkic is another guy in a a similar situation to them. We knew that he was going to be out for an extended period of time and probably sometime after the All-Star break is when they're going to start looking at rolling him back into the lineup. So definitely keep an eye on that. Because he has been very good for Portland in the past, so I would expect that he would do that again, even though now they do have Whiteside. So that'll be an interesting, somewhat dilemma for them. And then two other guys um, that we want to cover real quick: uh, Blake Griffin and Jonathan Isaac. Uh, we've covered them, uh, you know, a decent amount on this pod, especially Jonathan Isaac for just the insane stats and uh, um, improvements that he's been able to make this year. So it's very unfortunate to say that they're actually out for the season. So if you are still rostering them, you can safely drop them. And it's it's very sad to uh, to see Jonathan Isaac not be able to. You know, make a stand for that most improved player, which I think he had a opportunity to win this year. He was
0: definitely in the top three running with that. Yeah, and you're right. If you have Blake Griffin, now's the time to drop him. But I would pick up Christian Woods if you're interested. Still having someone off of Detroit in a slab, I'll also look take a look at him. Those are two guys that are benefiting the most from that situation in Detroit. The last guy that I want to cover, or we want to cover for today, is uh, R.J. Bennett, R.J. Barrett, excuse me, in New York. Just it seems like his injury's been delayed. Uh, it was supposed to be a couple, you know, a couple days, and then it's turned into a couple of weeks. The main beneficiary I've seen out of it, and it's mm-hmm. one guy that I picked up, was uh, Alfred Payton. It seems like the the minute upticks have definitely mm-hmm. helped in him. And if you need a guy to just kind of steer the ship, that's one guy we'll look at on the New York Knicks.
1: Yeah, true. Um he's actually averaged some very nice stats in the past couple weeks here with like nine assists, a steal, a block, and like five rebounds for a point guard it's, is also a very good stat. So definitely look to pick him up. He's gonna be their main like distributor with Barrett out. That's a good point. I think also like I would just expect more from guys like Reggie Bullock, for example. Like they're somewhat getting the minutes um, that like Barrett opened up. But they're not producing yet, and I think there's a chance that that they could, especially if this injury lasts much longer.
0: No, I I totally agree with that, and I think that you know that's something that you have to keep an eye on. I did think that Bullock would be the guy, but unfortunately, it just seems like it has not kind of turned itself into that yeah. in terms of Knicks right now. Also, Dodson, yeah, Dodson's a good guy. one as well, yeah. Just a couple guys that you may want to pick up on your roster if they're available. Dylan Brooks, of course. Duncan Robinson, he's having a, a good year in terms of Yo, threes, here, what's going on. And uh, Kevin Huter, for, he's back now for um, the Atlanta Hawks. So if he's available in your league, definitely go after him right now. And uh, Radu, mm-hmm. I want to kind of talk about this guy for, uh, for our player of the week. He's had a... Uh, a really good run the last two weeks. I think like he's turning into a top slowly 100 player. He's available in the majority of leagues and that's Darius Garland for the uh <laughs> nice Darius Garland. Yeah. yeah. For the, uh for the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, that's I've been watching for a while and I'm really impressed with what he's been able to put on.
1: What's really crazy is normally we talk about this uh before the ponta, you know, figure out what player we both agree on for a player of the week. And we actually didn't this time, but I was going to suggest him as well. Like he's, he's my guy that I would say is player of the week. And he's just been fantastic, especially with Colin Sexton in the lineup. You would think that he wouldn't be able to do all of this. Um, and he wouldn't be the, the main distributor, but he actually is. So shout out to him.
0: Shout out to him. And he's killing it right now. And that's my kind of go-to guy. So, you know, keep up the great work, kid. You know, you're winning me some matchups every week, so I'm trying to just lock it in.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> no
0: well, that's going to do it for this pod. Uh, you can find us wherever podcasts are available.
1: You can listen, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and all other podcast apps.
0: And we'll see you next time, guys. Have a good going?